I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Dr. Renee Brown! Y'all have been counting down the days till Brene. Literally on Twitter, all my Twitterati's are here, my tweet hearts. On Twitter, everybody's like, Brene Brown, Brene Brown, Brene, Brene, vulnerability, hashtag. Hashtag vulnerability. She's really Dr. Brene Brown, but we get to call her Brene because we're that friendly. Yes. Uh, She is a professor at the University of Houston Grad School and has spent the past decade studying vulnerability, studying courage, studying worthiness and shame. And she's also the author of Daring Greatly. Okay. Now, we're not here to talk about the book as much as we're here to talk about you all. Now, I know a lot of you saw her 2010 TED Talk on the power of vulnerability. You all saw it here? Okay, you are among the 10 million views and counting for that TED Talk. And she has over 200,000 devoted followers on Facebook and Twitter. Not bad for a girl from Texas. Not bad. (laughs) For years, people have been telling me, tweeting me, you gotta meet Brene Brown. And we finally met a few months ago and we just click. We're sisters. We're lost sisters. And she introduced us to the notion of daring greatly. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. Could not agree more. Life is about showing up, you say, and being seen. And Daring Greatly is the guide for tonight's class, teaching us how to bring in everything. We've been craving more of, more of everything in our lives, more joy, more trust, more intimacy, more empathy, more innovation and creativity. So tell everybody what Daring Greatly means. Okay. So we asked the life class community to to do some fill in the blanks for us. Vulnerability, what does vulnerability feel like? Can we see those answers? Yeah, I grew up thinking vulnerability was. Yeah, so vulnerability feels like being helpless, embarrassed, being a small child, a lump in your throat, emptiness, allowing people to judge you, letting go of the life preserver. Your first kiss. Your first kiss. Everybody remembers that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things I think I've learned the most that was so powerful for me is learning for the first time in my life at 47 that it is possible to be afraid and courageous in the exact same moment. Wow. Like, I always grew up believing you were either brave or you were afraid. You were either courageous or you were fearful. And I think the truth is that most of us are brave and afraid every minute of the day at the exact same time. And to me, that's what Daring Greatly is. And the truth was that up until the TED Talk, I had engineered my career to be very small. Because everyone sitting in here, everyone watching, has something they can think of about themselves that would be so hurtful to hear someone else say about you that you would risk anything, you would do anything to not make that happen. Like, I would never want to hear someone say this about me. And so for me, I had that list. And in order never to hear those things, I kept my career really small. Mm. Then TED happens. Wow. And it gets out from underneath me. (laughs) Then you get 10 million views. 
I love it when she uses that voice. <laughs> I'm just saying, it gives me goosebumps. Oh. Okay. Um, it just comes over me. I can't stop. I know. It. It's awesome. Um, and so there's like a week where I am everywhere in every magazine and every you know news article. And my husband and my therapist are like, do not read the comments online. So I read all the comments <laughs> online. How many of you can resist? Show of hands. How many of you, you think you could resist? I have learned to resist. You've learned, oh, yes. No. Right. All those Twitter thugs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thugs, thugs out there. Thugs, thugs. out there. I'm fixing to set them straight. Fix, fixing okay. to. Go I'm ahead. fixing to, OK. So I read all the comments. And on this one day, I heard everything I heard everything that I was afraid to hear my whole life that kept me small. Uh -huh. um, I heard, of course, Brene embraces imperfection. What choice would you have if you look like her? Um, she should wait and talk about worthiness when she loses 15 pounds. Um, I feel sorry. And you know, and I talk about my life. I, I protect my family a lot, but I also use their names. So they would use my kid. I feel sorry for Ellen and Charlie. Um, how horrible it would be to have her as a mom. Ugh. So the only thing. The best thing you can do as a mental health professional, I should, you know, the best thing I could do in that situation was peanut butter, a blanket, and eight hours of Downton Abbey. See, that would have sent me to a bowl. I'd have put my face in some macaroni and cheese. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord have mercy. Somebody yeah. bring me some macaroni and cheese. I guess it make know. me feel better. Right. Yeah. On the front of the peanut butter thing, it says, like, a healthy, a spoonful is a healthy addition to every diet. And like, I had a spoonful that started like this. And I was like, do you think this is what they mean by a spoonful? So I'm watching Downton Abbey. And you know how when you numb using television or a movie and it's over, you don't want it to be over? So you start like Googling the actors and looking up where it was filmed. So I start doing that. And I think, who was president in the US during Downton Abbey time? So I, I, I do a search for Theodore Roosevelt, 1910. And the quote that came up changed my life. And it's the Daring Greatly quote. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The critic belongs to the person who's in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who in the end may know the triumph of high achievement. But when he fails, he does so daring greatly. And so three things totally shifted in my life that moment. The first was, that's who I want to be. If we want to be courageous and we want to be in the arena, we're going to get our butts kicked. There is no option. If you want to be brave and show up in your life, you're going to fail. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. It's part of showing up. The second thing that came to me that was, I think Steve thinks it's made me dangerous. Um, which is this, it's your, it's your Twitter thugs. Okay. The bottom line is this, if you are not in the arena also getting your butt kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. That's yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. Because the Twitter thugs, yeah. you know, I think there are a lot of cheap seats in this community, in this world, where you can sit back, never risk anything, and just throw criticism at people who are trying. You know, and the last one is, this is everything I've learned about vulnerability over 12 years of studying. Vulnerability is not about winning, it's not about losing, it's about having the courage to show up and be seen. 
It's about willingness to say, look, I don't have all the answers. This is daring greatly for me. I'm wearing false eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> and my biggest fear when they put them on was like, am I gonna get halfway through this thing and be like, like I can't do it? And if you do, just rip the whole thing off. That's happened to me before. Oh. Just rip them both off, and there you are, naked before the world. You may that see happened. it here today. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think, to, uh, you know, people tell me all the time, I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to do this, because I can't bear this. And I think being vulnerable feels dangerous, and I think it feels scary, and I think it is terrifying, but I don't think it's as dangerous, scary, or terrifying as getting to the end of our lives and wondering, what if I would have shown up? What if I would have said, oh, I love you back? out of that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So that, to me, is what Daring Greatly is. All right, so this is the thing. I think most people don't understand, when you hear this for the first time, how being open and vulnerable and all the things that you all told us, because we did a prep questions for everybody. We called it lab prep and asked like a million of you to respond. And these were your responses. I love this one, Brene, bearing your soul without any guarantees. So I think that most people don't understand how being open, opening yourself up to criticism, to not having any guarantees, how that can help you. Oh, if I could have called it Daring Damn It, the book, I would have called <laughs> Daring Damn It. I would have called it. I would have called it that because it feels terrible, right? Like the person who told me it's saying I love you first. Yeah. It's great story. This guy came up to me, he was probably 21 or 22, and he said, Can I tell you something? It was after an event, and I said, sure. And he goes, Your TED Talks changed my life. My parents sent them to me. And after I watched them, I decided to tell the woman that I was dating that I loved her. And I was like, oh, God. Um, <laughs> awesome. Um, and he said, so I took her out to dinner. We'd been dating for six months. We got halfway through dinner. I looked up at her, and I said, I love you. And she looked back, and she said, I think you're awesome. Oh! And I think we should date other people. And he said, so the whole way home, I'll have to edit this. The whole way home, he said, I just drove saying, screw Brene Brown. I hate Brene Brown. I hate Brene Brown. And he said he got home, and he threw the door to his apartment open. And both of his roommates were hunched over their laptops. And they kind of sat straight up. And they're like, what's up? And he goes, I told her I loved her. She blew me off. And one of his friends said, dude, they, girls only like you when you're running the other way. And he was like, yeah, that's true. What? And then he said, he thought about it for a minute, and he said, no, man, I was daring greatly. And he said both of his roommates got really teary-eyed and went, right on, man. Right on. <laughs> so I think, I think it is hard, but what is the alternative? The alternative is to live a life that's not authentically yours. Now, I was going to tell you early, because I, I, all the people who uh, followed me for years know the story of when I was first starting out with, uh, in, in television, and I was pretending to be like Barbara Walters because that was the role model. And I was just trying to sit like Barbara, talk like Barbara, act like Barbara. And one night I was reading some copy. And my, my idea was to not to read it ahead of time because I wanted to be spontaneous. So I'd be reading the news and go, oh my god, six people in a pile up today. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. 
So that could get you in trouble because you haven't prepared and you don't know the names of the people. So I was doing all these, uh, reading some copy, and I called Canada, Canada. And I was, <laughs> literally, the truth, hello, Canada. And I cracked myself up, and that was my breaking through the wall to start to be myself, because Barbara Walters would never call Canada, Canada. <laughs> and uh, learning to, to, to be myself and, and, and the reaction to that, people responding to that in such a way that allowed me to be a real person, really opened the door for me. And I, I think the vulnerable thing has always been, that's the space where I live. You tell the story, you offer it to people, they accept it, they don't, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And I think what you said, I mean, I think vulnerability begets vulnerability. Courage begets courage. So when you're sitting with someone being vulnerable, yeah. it's permission for me to be myself too. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So let's talk about the myths of yeah. vulnerability. So there are four myths that you talk about. There are. Yes. And they these are these are the things that keep us, these are the things that get in the way. And I think they're things that we all believe in. And the first myth is that vulnerability is weakness. Just a show of hands, how many of you were raised to believe that vulnerability was weakness? Most of us, right? Yeah. Fifth generation Texan, family motto. Of course. Lock and load. <laughs> it wasn't lock and get in touch with your animal spirit. It was, <laughs> you know, let's just get stuff, suck it up. How many of you were raised with a little suck it up, get her done, soldier on? Yeah. Right. How you feel is not as important as getting stuff done. Yeah. Right. So we, I think a lot of, there's, here's, the, here's what's tricky about this myth. In a culture where we're afraid that we're not enough, it is hard to believe that vulnerability is courage. It is hard to show up and be seen when we are afraid. Let's see what everybody else said yeah. vulnerability is. Let's go to the first one. So this is, this is vulnerability feels like. So, and vulnerability, I grew up thinking vulnerability was. Yeah something to get rid of, the road to failure, scary, not allowed, only for children, unacceptable, giving away too much, giving away too much. I think that's interesting. Yeah, so the first myth that vulnerability is weakness, and this is how most of us were raised. But let me tell you what we heard. When we asked people, what is vulnerability? What they said to us is, vulnerability is sitting with my wife who has stage four breast cancer and making plans for our kids. Vulnerability is negotiating a raise with my boss. Vulnerability is, vulnerability is the first kiss. Vulnerability is leaning in and saying I love you. Vulnerability is talking to hospice about my father. You know, vulnerability is a lot of this, but it's truthfully just living authentically. It's just being honest about where we are. Okay. My question is, can we bring vulnerability into the workplace, and if so, how? Oh. Ooh. Ooh, you, you got it. Ooh. Yeah, OK. No, I think, so what's interesting is what we do every day is we wake up, we put a bunch of armor on, and we go out into the world with this idea is you're, you're not going to see me, you're not going to hurt me, and you're not going to get to me. The problem is that the armor keeps away everything that we want more of. If you're talking about organizations, vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, trust, engagement. And so here's the bottom line. If you, if you have a culture in your organization where vulnerability is not tolerated, then you need to take innovation off of the list of things that you want to do. 
because when failure is not an option, innovation is not an option. Wow. You learn more from the failures than you do from the everyday stuff. Oh, my stuff. God, for you sure. Really you really do. Absolutely. Yeah. But I hear what this group is saying, though. You just, you know, you, you, you come to this life class, you are going to do the online work, and you're just all open and vulnerable, and then you walk into your workspace, and everybody else who hasn't taken the class, how, how do you integrate that into, in, into your daily life and work without looking like you lost your mind, that you have just, like... <laughs> Isn't that what you want to know? No, yeah. yeah. That, that's what I heard exactly. you say. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So here's the beginning. The beginning is shared information. So you could say, hey, you should watch, you know, to your leadership team. Would it be, I mean, one of the reasons I get invited to go in is because somebody somewhere, courageous like you, said, I would really like for this team to spend 18 minutes and watch this TED Talk. I would really like for this group to sit down and watch this episode of Life Class. I want to have a discussion. Because without shared information and shared language, there right. can be no change. Right. You're absolutely right about that. So here we are. We're out to prove to you that vulnerability, opening the heart space, is what allows you to move forward in your life in a more authentic way. So the second myth is I don't do vulnerability. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're alive, you're vulnerable. If you're in relationship with anyone, you're vulnerable every minute of the day. We get that, right? To be human is to be vulnerable. Yeah. So you can't opt out. And here's the tricky part. If you don't know how you behave and what you do when you're feeling vulnerable, then you're probably engaging in behaviors that move you away from who you want to be. If you don't know how you do vulnerability, then vulnerability is doing you. Ooh. You don't want vulnerability to do you. <laughs> that you just sounds do bad. Yeah. No. You don't want vulnerability to do you. You want to do vulnerability. And I think it's hard, because I think it's, it's easier to tell people that they should be vulnerable than to be vulnerable. Absolutely. Well, I like what Malika Garrett is saying up there. Hi, Malika. Uh, she says, yes, it's all this is, but our society has no tolerance or patience for vulnerability. Do you agree? I think we're hungry for it. I think we're dying for it. Because vulnerability is the door to connection. And authenticity. And, and, authenticity. I think, and I think we're so sick of the hustle. Yeah. I think people want to see real. Yeah. Even if it's flawed and imperfect and messy, I think yeah. we'll take real any day. I think we would. Aren't we sick of the hustle? Yeah. So vulnerability is letting it all hang. That's a myth, right? That's a yes. myth. Yes. That's a myth. Live tweeting your bikini wax is not vulnerability. <laughs> Sharing in intimate details about your personal life on Facebook, not vulnerability. Vulnerability is about trust and intimacy and connection. We share with people who've earned the right to hear the story. Ooh, that's good. Tweet that right now. That is so good. We share with people who've earned the right to hear the story. Yes. yes. Um, in my job, everybody doesn't do vulnerability. Uh, I'm a police officer, a detective, and that's something that we do. We put our armor on when we go to work. So this is um, interesting to bring it to the daring greatly and the vulnerability to the workplace because it actually is a myth that you can't be vulnerable in our profession. I believe that a lot of um, officers would benefit from yeah. daring greatly and being a little more vulnerable, especially as it relates to when they get off of work. Yeah. It's a huge issue. And let me, t I mean, first of all, thank you for what you do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's important. 
One of the things that I've seen a lot in my work when I'm talking to law enforcement, military, firefighters, is basically you've got men and women who we, we basically pay to keep us safer by being invulnerable. But the costs are so high, because if you look just at, at police officers, suicide, at right. suicide, depression, alcoholism, all of those things that we use when we don't have access to our vulnerability. And so we have to find a way in those professions for people to, and I understand, the, there's a very simple equation a lot of times for law enforcement military, which is vulnerability equals death. You know, and so I'm armored up because that's how I stay alive. The problem is that when you're sitting across from your three-year-old and your partner, yeah. no vulnerability equals divorce, separation, and isolation. Shut down. Shut down. Isolation. Yeah. You know what I look at it as? You know, what I know, I'm so very clear about what my role is and so grateful to have you and all of you here on this platform called OM. You know, it's called a television network. But my real role in life is to open the heart space. And as I was sitting here talking to you, I realized opening the heart space is the same thing as being vulnerable. And when you open the heart space, you allow the possibility for the real you to step forward. And that's really what vulnerability is, that's correct? It. It's it. opening up the heart space so that the way you see yourself and the way you see the rest of the world allows you and the reflections of you to be more authentic. Somebody just wrote, oh, how do you recover when you've made a wrong choice, though? When you've been vulnerable, you've opened the heart oh, space, God. you've shared with somebody who you shouldn't have shared with, you're opening up yourself to somebody who you shouldn't have. How do you recover from that? I usually contemplate moving first, <laughs> personally. Um, and then I go straight to discrediting that person with everybody I know. Yeah. But I try not to act on those. Um, you know, the truth is, when you practice being vulnerable and you practice opening the heart space, you are going to screw it up. You're gonna walk away from a situation thinking, oh, that was too much too soon. Yeah. Um, and I think what you do, what I try to do, is this is why self-compassion is huge. In those moments when I've overshared, I try to talk to someone like I, I try to talk to myself like I would talk to someone I love. I said, you know what? You're trying something on, you're new at it, you're not gonna nail it every time. It's okay, learn from it and move forward. Yeah. Annalie, oh, Skyping in from Germany. Annalie, hello, Germany, how are you? What's your question? Um, my question would be about trust. I was wondering, how would you define trust? To me, I use the metaphor of a marble jar um, for trust. And do I have time to tell like a five minute story about trust? Not five. Three? Two and a half. Okay, go! <laughs> um, no, it's that, my daughter came home, she was sobbing, she had been betrayed at school, and she said, I'll never trust anyone again. The girls in my class were laughing at me so hard that Miss Balkum, her teacher, was taking marbles out of the marble jar. They had a jar where they would fill up the marbles when the class was you know, making good choices and take them out. And she said, I'll never trust again. And I was like, oh my God, how do I tell, talk to her about this? And I said, the marble jar. I said, trust is like a marble jar. You don't look at a friend the first time you meet them and share them everything because you ha share everything with them because you have had no time with smaller pieces of your life to build that marble jar. You know, so I'm not going to meet you and say, here's my darkest secret. The question about trust is important. You want to show people your heart, but you don't know what's under there. For me, that would be a very small group of people that could do that exploration with me. There are some people that once I know what's under there, I'll say, hey, I trust you, look and take a look. But if I'm going, hey, I don't know what's in here, you have to love me 
not despite my imperfection and vulnerability, but because of it. Okay, myth number four, we can go it alone. I think it's what we've been talking about since we've been together is this idea like, okay, I'll try vulnerability, but I'm gonna try it by myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I got the privacy of my bathroom. Right. Yes. Yeah, the bottom, you know, the bottom line is if you if you boiled everything down I've learned over the past dozen years studying these topics, it would be simply this. We are hardwired for connection. In the absence of love and belonging, there is always suffering. And the path to love and belonging is vulnerability. You can't have love. How many of you love somebody? And how many of you have control over whether that person loves you back? <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging out with you. Um, yeah. How many of you have control over whether that person's safe right now? To wake up and love somebody every day is the most inherently vulnerable act. To lay yourself out there like that without any guarantees. I love Jennifer McCall, who just uh, wrote to us, once we make our transformation, how do we maintain it? How do we stay focused? Because all of this sounds good. It's like going to church and you hear a really great sermon and you're like, oh, I'm going to live right. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah, vulnerability. And then the first thing that comes along, you shut yourself down. So how do you stay focused? How do you? stay on the path. You show up every Sunday, whether you have something to wear nice or not. You do. Vulnerability is a practice. You just keep, it's, it's not something you check off a list. It's something you keep doing. Yeah, what do you want to say? Hi. One of the ways I practice, it was really hard to get my husband engaged in this with me, but I've been married 28 years and the most loving thing he has done for me is listen to your uh, audio seminar on the power of vulnerability. That's the most loving thing he's ever it done? Is, it is. Wow. We, you take what you can get, I said. <laughs> no, I mean, you, wait, let, me, let me give her some credit. It's six hours long. Oh, is it? It's, it's six hours long. Okay, we well, did it is. in the car okay. on a road trip. <laughs> we have oh, a I common it was a language talk. now. Okay. So wait, did y'all listen to it together in the car? We listened to it together, and we'd pause, and we'd stop, and we'd we shared really vulnerable moments that we Whoa. haven't shared for 28 years. And it was amazing. Thank you. Okay, that is good. Okay, I take it back. I take it back. That was great. Yes, you've had your hand up for a long time. So I kind of have the opposite problem. How do you make yourself be vulnerable with somebody you don't completely trust, like in a relationship? You oh don't. Oh my gosh. We just, yes, you don't. I don't think you do. Because you know what? The thing, this is it. What's under here? is the most valuable thing you have. It's the most valuable gift you give to all of us. It's the most valuable offering you have in your life. And people have to earn the right to see it. They have to earn the right to see it. And they have to know when they're seeing it, that it's an absolute honor and privilege for you to have let them in. And so that, to me, is the prerequisite. You got that right. I do. You're too pretty in that yellow to not get that. <laughs> Really. Yeah, they have to know. Yeah. Yeah, someone else had written on here earlier, what if you're being vulnerable and the other person doesn't sees it as a weakness? But if you're being vulnerable, you're opening up your heart, and the other person thinks that that's weak of you, you are with the wrong person. It's an awesome filter. It's an awesome filter, isn't it? It's a really awesome filter. I mean, I think <laughs> just recently, when my daughter started school, I was talking, I was like, I'm watching all the girls, like, 
posture and like who's gonna, you know, who's gonna be the, the alpha girl. But then you look at the mothers and they're all posturing, who's gonna, you know, <laughs> that kind, right? And um, I was talking to someone and I was like, oh yeah, and then last year, like there was like a whole week where every day I gave the wrong kid the wrong lunch and half the time. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, I don't think I've ever had that experience. And I was like, off the list, baby. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like next, next. Yeah, it's just, I think it can be painful for sure. Here's what's scary, and we should not BS you about this. You start trying this on, there will be a pushback. Yeah. You're gonna freak out some people. You're gonna scare some people. Um, the pushback will be, what are you doing? We had a deal. You keep this closed, I keep this closed. That was our deal, and now you're wanting to do this, and it's only gonna work if I do this. This is transformational stuff. And so to say that if you went out and started to try being authentic and vulnerable and there won't be any pushback from the people around you, I think is an unfair setup. Hi, Oprah and Brene. My question is, what do you do if you wanna be vulnerable with someone and they won't go there with you, especially if that person is your spouse? Well, that is what we're talking about right now. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really hard. We can laugh about it and we can say there's the filter, but if it's someone you really love, I mean, Whoa. I think counseling, I have a therapist. Oh. She got her husband. It's the most loving thing he ever did to yeah. watch, to, to listen to six hours. But I mean, I think really, sometimes you gotta get help for that with couples and families. I mean, that's just the bottom line. You gotta get some help. The other thing is that- Can you imagine though, you're with someone, you're vulnerable, there you are ready to open up your heart space and they're all shut down. Yes. Do you want to live your life that way? No, but I was that person. You were the shutdown one. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, Brene Brown, always have an exit plan. Yes. It goes back to, I had a therapist once tell me, you know, your problem is he likes you so much more than you like you. Oh. Whoa. Mm -mm. <laughs> She's fanning herself. Mm -mm. Can we get it? That is. Yeah, so I think I was that person. So I wouldn't say, you know, if it's somebody you love, there's no way in the course of a relationship, whether it's your parent, whether it's your partner, your child, your adult child, there's no way that you're gonna grow at the exact same rate and discover and transform at the same time. So we have to bring, have ways to bring people aboard. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the ways we bring people aboard, again, is shared information. I think you can turn to a partner and say, I taped this life class. It's 43 minutes, right? Yes. It's really important to me. And I think if that person doesn't have 43 minutes or 20 minutes for a TED Talk or can I read this passage to you or this quote, then you've got a problem that probably needs some professional help. And that's fair. I mean, how many of you think you want to be more vulnerable and dare greatly? How many of you are com comfortable asking for help? Yeah, right, I'm good. then it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's Asking a, for help from whom? Anybody. Any, right. How many of you had rather give help than ask for help? Okay, so let me, tell, let me just ruin this for you. <laughs> when you cannot ask for help without self-judgment, you are never really offering help without judgment. So if- Stand up and tell the truth. <laughs> Okay, let's hear that one again. I gotta write that down. No, this, I hear it better when I write this it down. one. This one was devastating for me because where are my social workers? Yes. Woo! Hello. 
Okay, so what, we're professional help givers. But how many of us are good at asking for it? Here's the bottom line, ready? When you cannot accept and ask for help without self-judgment, then when you offer other people help, you are always doing so with judgment. Really? Always. Because you have attached judgment to asking for help. And so one way I had got a lot of my worth for a lot of years was helping other people. Yeah. But I would never ask for help, which meant every time I was helping you, I was judging you. And I was, when you extract worthiness for helping people, that's judgment. That's judgment. When you don't extract worthiness and you think, I'm just helping you because one day I'm gonna need help, that's connection. That's vulnerability. Yeah. Well, you're teaching tonight, girl. You're teaching. <laughs> So let's review some key points. Vulnerability is not a weakness. Vulnerability equals courage, really, because it's opening up the heart space, right? I've never seen a single incidence in 13,000 pieces of data. I've never seen one example of courage that was not sheer vulnerability. Not one. I believe you. I believe that. And only share your vulnerability with somebody who's earned the right to hear it. That's it. It's a privilege to see what's here. Final thoughts. It's gonna take critical mass. Yeah. It's gonna take enough of us changing the way we engage with each other in the world yeah. to make a huge difference. But I think it's absolutely positive. I think it's, here's the thing. I don't think vulnerability, I think it's a practice, but I think more than anything, I think wholeheartedness, which is how I term vulnerability, is a movement. It's a revolution. And it's gonna make people uncomfortable because change makes people uncomfortable. Um, but I'll go back to what I said in the beginning, is I do not think we ever feel more alive than when we're being brave. And we can't be brave when we're not vulnerable. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>